I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandslots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandslots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. The only daily Premier League podcast. This is Football Social Daily. Hello and welcome to the Friday edition of this week's Football Social Daily, your place to go for all the latest Premier League news. And we've got a slight European tint on today's show because there's quite a few teams in European action and also one team not in European action, which is having a bit of an impact on the rest of the Premier League as a uh, well something you raise its head that we really didn't want to see affecting football again but that's the way things are and we'll come on to that later in the show but to help me uh, work through all these stories and the results I'm joined by Manchester United fan Joel Tudor good morning who's not wearing a Christmas jumper today uh, but joining me in Christmas jumpers is uh, Leeds United fan Ian Brannan hi yes good morning I've got the uh, the annual polar bear with the boggly eyes out and uh, yeah, there he is. I've gone for Yoda in the Santa hat. Is this the first day you've worn it? Um, yes, it is. Well, um, it's not the first day I've worn a Christmas jumper this year because um, I was um, uh, very privileged, and I, I would I would largely say due to the the, the success and the um, stardom that being on the Football Social Daily podcast has brought, um, I did the switch on of the of the Preston Christmas lights this year, and so um, wore two Christmas jumpers for that event. Um, but since then, no, uh, and so I've saved it till now. Christmas jumper season starts here, kids. Were you were you the main attraction, and is that because yeah. of your celebrity status or yeah, because basically. of restrictions and social distancing? <laughs> Listen, I was on stage with the four tops: Lee Ryan from Blue, um, Joe from S Club, a bloke from the Stylistics, and a couple of people from Swashbuckle on CBeebies. It was absolute chaos. Oh yeah, and who else was there? There was the uh, the Grinch as well. That was a bit weird. Kept bring, <laughs> kept bumping into the Grinch. <laughs> he kept sort of shouting at people. It was a bit weird. But anyway, we we had a lovely time. Anyway, onto the football. Yes. <laughs> and there was no Grinch at West Ham, even though they uh, lost last night. Hey. Uh, David Moyes, his side was already qualified. Uh, so what he did was he rested a lot of his first team players. Good time to do that. And blooded, I think seven. 
youth players uh, coming through from the under-23 squad. I think the entire back four uh, were lifted straight from the under-23s. Uh, they lost 1-0 uh, to the Croatian champions, so no shame in that, really. Uh, but the really positive thing from this is that uh, they're not going to play in the Europa League now again until March. Um, some clubs are going to have to go through this knockout stages. They've got a little bit of a gap. But it's a rather exciting time to be a fan of West Ham because you've got a Carabao Cup semi-final coming up against Spurs, possibly, just before Christmas. Currently in fourth position in the league. Recently beat Chelsea at home. I mean, let's put this to you, Joel, because, I mean, you know David Moyes well. I mean, David Moyes is doing a brilliant job there. And you've got to say, you know, exciting, exciting times to be a West Ham fan. Yeah, I mean, I bet if you asked any Manchester United fan after his United time, I don't think any person would have predicted this a few years later, well, nearly nine years later, and during that time, obviously, he had his, his um, debatable spells at Sunderland and Real Sociedad, but, I mean, he's really taken this West Ham. I think this is probably the best part of his career. I think it's way better than his Everton um, era, just because I think West Ham play really exciting football, which David Moyes wasn't really known to have that kind of style of play especially his Everton side which were kind of grueling and a little bit nasty to play against especially when you went to Goodison Park but yeah with this game I mean it's just testament to being able to rest players just shows that he's taking the competition seriously I mean I don't think he's rested on his laurels thinking that you know last season it was a grueling season for them they only just missed out on the top four I think by a few points um, just because Liverpool had a really crazy last few games to just uh, get into that top four. But it just shows, you know, he's taking it seriously and now he's kind of getting the rewards because all of that first 11 have managed to be rested um, ahead of a pretty busy fixture schedule where, you know, you've got Burnley away uh, on Sunday, then they got Arsenal away, West Ham, um, sorry, Norwich at home, and then you got the, the quarterfinals of the um, Carabao Cup in December as well. So it's it's testament to David Moyes just taking that competition seriously and realising that you know it's not a guarantee and it's not a given that you should be in Europe regardless uh, as we've seen with kind of Leicester and Rogers' comments uh, um, yesterday but I think West Ham have just benefited so much from the fact that you know other teams behind them have been slipping up a crazy amount um, and I think in January they will probably make some pretty smart reinforcements. I think David Moyes already hinted that maybe Jesse Lingard potentially. Um, and I think they will need it because, you know, the squad is quite thin when all these games start to really come into effect. But, you know, it's I think I'm sure their fans are absolutely loving it because the competitions that they're in, they're taking every single one of them seriously. You always find that, you know, when a side who unexpectedly get into Europe or unexpectedly start moving through the competitions, they all start kind of getting this arrogance about them as if they need to rest them for the league. But in the league, they're kind of hovering around seventh, sixth. Whereas David Moyes has really just gone all out and just really wanting to see how far he can take the West Ham side. And that's how it should be. Um, but, you know, after they got defeated by Wolves the other week, um, and Manchester City the next week I was thinking okay this is when West Ham really starts to fall and fade but they've, after beating Chelsea I mean at home it just kind of shows that I think they're here to stay a little bit this season um, I don't know if they'll get top four but it's a great start and I think if they're there or thereabouts come the end of January they're in with a real real shout of staying there Now Ian I'm, I'm going to come to this to you for this one because I, I don't want to put uh, Joel on the spot 
But I remember when uh, Moyes came in, he was sort of the name successor to Alex Ferguson at Old Trafford. And I distinctly remember um, Ferguson asking the fans to give him time, to give David Moyes time to settle in. And he never really got that time. I think it was it nine months or something ridiculous like that that he got at the club. And so do you think that had Moyes been given the time at United, we might have seen this kind of evolution happening sooner? Or do you think what's happening at West Ham is a result of all the different experiences that he's come and just everything coming together at the right time? I think um, a bit of both, to be honest. He was always going to have a tough time. You look at, and I remember this conversation around the time when, you know, Alex Ferguson left, but whether it was Alex Ferguson, whether it was um, whoever you're taking over from, if you're taking over from a manager who's been there and done so much, being the guy who takes over is always a tough job, right? It's always a tough job because people have such high expectations. And I think David Moyes at the time, if I remember wasn't the inspirational kind of choice. I think people will be looking for a, you know, a, whoever at the time was a top European manager. You know, I think you're expecting like a big name, billions of pounds spent on them and all that kind of stuff. And it, and it was like, oh, it's David Moyes. And um, it was sort of a bit of an anticlimax in a way. Um, even though everybody knew that he was capable of... of of, of being a great manager and, and still is capable of being a great manager. I mean, in a season or two, if he sticks with West Ham United, they could achieve everything. <laughs> you know, why not? Uh, they've got a fantastic stadium. They're in London. They've got great resources. Um, they're building a nice academy. Um, so why why can't West Ham be successful? It's not a given just because you've got tons of cash that that therefore buys you success. We're seeing that that's not the case. Um, I think what they probably should have done is they should have given somebody um, a, a one-year contract or a, or a six-month contract, basically a fall guy, to act as that intermediary. Like I suppose like they're doing with Ragnik now. You know he's not there permanently. You know he's not the final solution to this current situation at, at Man United. Somebody to, to sort of hold the fort for a bit until they made a full long-term permanent thing. And then if Moyes came in as that then maybe he would have been given more time. But he just seemed to be under the pressure from the off. Nobody gave him a chance. It takes years to build something. It, it, and, and Alex Ferguson, don't forget, Fergie was almost fired at Manchester United. He didn't get off to the best start. In his first season, it did not go well. The papers were rounding on him. The pressure was on. The fans were on him. And he managed to get just a few wins together at the right time to save his job. So don't think that, Man that Alex Ferguson always had it easy. He was almost out um, in the beginning of his career. And then they gave him time and, and see what happened. And same with, with Moyes. He just never got that time. But maybe now at West Ham, he's showing what can happen if you give people time. And this is the thing with football. People always want to chop and change. But it, it's, it, you know, you need two or three years before you can really say. And it's just crazy. Con you know, the clubs that are constantly changing don't get long-term success, I don't think. Look at any of the teams that, that have success. It's, it's built over years. But it can't be as simple as just time, though, can it, Joel? Because I... I as much as there's a lot of love for Oli, I don't think necessarily giving Oli more time uh, at United uh, would have made that difference. Um, I think from the outside looking in, I, th I think you need a certain amount of pressure in order to perform. I mean, just, just within my own uh, sort of working life, like with, with this show now, I know that you know we, we've got to put things together and we've got deadlines to get things out and those kinds of things. 
and you know football more so is results driven but it is a very fine line between that uh i mean so do you have any regrets at all now when you see what's happening at west ham about having had Moyes and let him go no absolutely not um i mean you have to question well what is time because you can give any guy five years six years let's not forget he was given a six-year contract at united that doesn't necessarily mean that by the end of those six years you're guaranteed success when he came in and as it's been proven you know arsenal when arsene wenger left um transitioning from a guy who's literally the face of the club to someone else and having to change the whole culture around and the players have to buy into that is never an easy thing to do at all that transition um and when he came into the club you know, I think it was set up to fail for any manager, to be honest, because don't forget, it wasn't just Alex Ferguson that left. It was David Gill that left and all the backroom staff that left. Um, and it was kind of a failure from the off. I don't think any manager would any manager would have survived that first 2013, having to change over from, you know, one of the most successful managers to ever be in the game. And obviously it was proven when Van Gaal ended up getting sacked, Jose Mourinho got sacked, and these two guys have won everything in football. So no, I don't regret it. I think he was he was massively out of his depth uh, when he came in. It was proven when he was um, at the spell in Sunderland. It was proven when he was at Sociedad. I feel like he just needed to find himself again. And I think like you just said earlier on, the West Ham job was just, I think, the perfect culmination of all the right things going right at the right time. Just in terms of, you know, the club, the finances, um, he's building a nice team there. So no, I don't I don't regret it at all. He was just, the players that he had at the time, they were a, a team of champions. And I just don't think they had the humbleness to accept someone like David Moyes coming in. Um, which was proven because half of him ended up getting sold the next year. So yeah, I think for Moyes now, he's just in, he's in the twilight. He's in the perfect moment of his career right now where everything's gone right for him but he's evolved as a manager when you go back to his Everton days you know I don't think I could compare Everton of his you know 2010 side to the West Ham side now they play completely opposite styles of football and he has different characteristics of footballers too um, he doesn't really have the bigger lanky Fellaini just like sitting up front um, in strike for West Ham he has more technical players and I think that just shows he's kind of evolved as a manager and he's learned from his mistakes, his recruitment's always been pretty pretty good, apart from obviously um, at United where he got Fellaini instead of Tony Crows and Fabregas. But um, yeah, I think he's always been good in that front. He just needed the right club and Manchester United was just a step too far for him, I feel. Um, whereas West Ham is a, is a side which, you know, can accept not challenging for the league every single season. You can't expect a manager who's never t- challenged for the title to keep doing that every year because it takes a lot. Um, so Moyes is at the perfect club where he's got good finances, good stadium. He's got a massive support behind him and, you know, he can go as far as the sky's the limit really with this side. It's very talented. And I think the support from the club, though, is is the other thing. You know, he, he with Man United, he wasn't there long enough and, and he was dealing with, with another man's team really um at Sunderland he didn't get the support of the club really because there's always been financial restrictions and there were so many issues at Sunderland again with the team and he he was restricted in what he could do um and with Sociedad as well there wasn't much he could you know so if you turn up it doesn't matter who you are if you don't have any influence on on the, the 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 pieces that you're playing within the game that you can't change them you can't get new people in or the ones that are causing the problem are still there and you can't offload them that you know you you are really restricted 
I think. And obviously, as you say, at West Ham, he's had a bit more, um, a bit more fortune there. He's got players in that he knows and respects, and and those players too moving through the ranks, like Mark Noble last night leading out West Ham um, with um, you know four debutants in the team as well. And these are these are kids that Mark Noble's worked with in the academy as well to bring through. So like quite quite a proud moment that they've got this progression now of of you know real well known names within the West Ham team, respected team members who are coming to the end of their career who are now moving into the academy. You know, they've got a good good thing going on in the background there. And I think that's the thing that's the difference, whereas that wasn't the case at his previous clubs necessarily, I don't think. At the risk of uh, counting chickens um, before they hatch, um, could we see potentially Moyes, like where he is at the minute, should he, he maintain this form, you know, finish in the top four with West Ham, um, potentially pick up a piece of silver where they're still in the running for three trophies um, this season, you know, Quick, very quickly before we close this section up um, would that kind of achievement put him in the running for manager of the season yeah I would say so obviously that's dependent on if Guardiola or, or Klopp end up getting like a 150 point season uh, which looks likely to be the case at the moment but yeah I think Moyes with the, with the budget that he's had and what he's up against in the league which is probably some of the best quality sides I've seen in quite a long time in terms of competition. Um, he has to be up in the running. and I think Carabao Cup is probably the most realistic one, just considering how much of the European sides have dropped into the Europa League. is going to be a tough ask. Uh, but I mean, a Carabao Cup and potentially a top four finish, I don't see any manager who can top that. Yeah, um, I, I would agree. It, w- it would be impressive. Of course, they've got Leeds United standing in their way in the <laughs> FA Cup, which is going to uh, put the uh, the thing in there, the stick in the spokes of that one potentially. Yeah. <laughs> and that's one of the games that's going to uh, be yeah. uh, televised as well. Yes. Right, we're going to park that there, and we're going to come back uh, to what is possibly my favourite quote of the season from Brendan Rodgers as we talk Leicester and their Europa League action last night. It's the Football Social Daily and uh, we are looking back over the European action that happened last night for the Premier League sides involved. Uh, We've already looked at West Ham who uh, finished top of their group even though they lost. Uh, Leicester went into their game against Napoli on top of their group but it all went wrong. Uh, there's some real defensive issues for them at the minute. They fell behind very quickly, 2-0, eventually going down 3-2. But uh, it gave us this quote. I don't know if you guys have heard this this morning. Uh, but uh, being interviewed directly after the match, uh, he's, Brendan Rodgers says, uh, they said, you know, you've been dropped down into the knockout stages of the European Conference League. And Brendan Rodgers says, I've got to be honest, I don't even know what the competition is. I was focused on the Europa League and winning this group and at the very least finishing second. But I'm sure I'll find out soon enough. Uh, there's got to be an award for the most honest press conference uh, because he's he's basically said everything that uh, a lot of us as fans were feeling when all this was announced. Ian? Yeah. I'm with him. I've got no idea what's going on in the Europa situation. <laughs> I've got no... Honestly, I was reading it the other day. I was thinking, hang on. I was looking at the fixtures and thinking, why aren't Spurs playing? I thought Spurs had played. And I was looking in the... Obviously, that I'm not talking about the game this week. But um, it, and it's, it's confusing. It don't make any sense. Back in the olden days, when I were a lad... It was like Champions League. And if you finished third in the Champions League, you went into the uh, UEFA Cup and you played in that till you got knocked out. End of. 
not this conference league and another league and another safety net league and another chance for Barcelona to win a trophy in case they get knocked out of that as well. It's just bonkers. And Brendan Rodgers went on. There was more from Brendan. I don't know if you've seen this. He said he had to be picked up off the floor when he heard the result from Liege. Uh, he, he he wasn't sure. He didn't know what had happened. He thought they were through. And uh, it was all a huge shock. Uh, he, he, basically, Brendan Rodgers has got no idea what happened last night. Great press conference. What we've got now, as, as you just very eloquently said there, is effectively cup competitions with relegation in. And um, it almost, that in itself is almost an argument for having some kind of competition without relegation or promotion, like the European Super League. Wouldn't you agree, Joel? It's a bit ridiculous. I mean, I can understand the Champions League one where the third place drops down. Um, So it obviously makes the Europa League a little bit more competitive than it was when it first began. But dropping into this conference league, no Europa League team wants to continue in Europe in such a tin pot competition. Um, but you know what I would say about Brendan Rodgers' comments. I think I feel like I understand his frustrations for sure, but I feel like he needs to humble himself a little bit because Leicester don't have a divine right to be in Europe next season. He's in eleventh place with no guarantees of even getting into the Conference League. I don't know if you need to finish is it sixth or seventh to get into that. Um, and right now they're in really poor form. So you know this might be his only route into the Europa League next season, which by some stretch he should be able to win considering the quality of teams left I think probably Tottenham's the only side and they're not even guaranteed to go through either I don't know if they're going to play again next se- uh, this season in that competition but um, yeah I-, I feel like it was a little bit arrogant towards that because you know Leicester City let's not forget they were a relegation side about six years ago um, and sure they've they've had an amazing progression since then but it could all end tomorrow, as we've seen with Sheffield United last year. I think they finished, what was it, seventh in the league, and then the next year they're in championship. And it just kind of shows you really can't rest on what you've done in the past. All that matters is right now where you are in the table. And 11th place for Leicester is is poor, considering the, the reputation that they've put on themselves last year and the season before where they missed out on the top four twice in a row. Um, so, you know... You you really need to kind of respect these competitions a little bit because for Leicester, it might be their only route into Europe next year. And I'm sure the Leicester fans love the fact that they're in Europe, but it's, not, it's never, ever a guarantee, not for any club for that matter. Um, and last night, they were very poor at the back um, after watching a couple of the their goals that Napoli scored. I mean, Sunku looks an absolute different player from what he was last year. I don't know if it's because Fafana's not holding his hand at the back anymore, um, but their full-backs are causing them all sorts of problems. I mean, Bertrand, for one of Napoli's goals, literally played the whole of the Napoli front line um, onside, which was the cause of one of theirs. Um, they're missing James Justin. They're missing um, Pereira, right-back. Uh, obviously Fafana is probably the, the biggest loss but you know um, Napoli gave so many opportunities for Leicester last night constantly in the game I mean in the first minute Napoli um, Leicester could have gone 1-0 up uh, and then when Napoli went 3-2 up Leicester had an, an, an unbelievable chance they got gifted to for them. Madison yeah, yeah Madison oh. where he literally he had the whole goal to aim for and he just put it wide like these are these are chances that if, if you want to go through in Europe, you have to take them because, like I said in the last podcast yesterday, Napoli are undefeated at home in all competitions. And when you get gifted opportunities like that, you just have to take them. And, um, you know, 
I know you said that the Spartak Moscow game was the game that could have put them through, but honestly, Leicester had it in their hands for the whole group fixtures and they've really messed it up big time. Um, so no, I wouldn't put it on that last game. But like I said yesterday in the podcast, I didn't think they were going to go through from this. I knew Napoli were just way too strong for them. And even Napoli's first 11 was pretty weak considering what they usually use in Syria. Um, so yeah, I mean, you know, Leicester, they should have gone through in this group. It was a pretty straightforward group, in my opinion. Um, when you compare West Ham's approach compared to Leicester's, I feel as though West Ham have really embraced the competition, whereas Leicester feel as though they should be in the Champions League. Um, and, you know, rightly so, I guess. I mean, they missed out very, very narrowly. But, yeah, they've dropped into another competition that they, I feel as though they need to take seriously unless they don't want Europe next year. Uh, on, on that, on that, uh, just on the on the subject of the Europa Conference League, um, have you heard about what happened in Partizan Belgrade's match last night? Oh, do tell Probably, us. Possibly one of the greatest things to ever happen in the Europa Conference League. Partizan Belgrade um, were playing against... Arnathusis Famagusta of Cyprus. And uh, midway through the game, a dog ran onto the pitch, <laughs> had a massive poo, and then ran off again. Uh, there is the dog. I'm showing for the benefit of the camera the dog oh, having no! a poo on wow. the pitch. Uh, <laughs> and the best of all, on the video, the dog looks straight down the camera while it's doing it and then just runs off. And uh, what a fabulous advert for the competition. Couldn't put it better myself. I mean, the, the dogs seem to be taking over football in Europe at the minute because we had, was it Senate St. Petersburg went viral a couple of weeks ago coming onto the pitch carrying stray dogs. Uh, yeah. Well, uh, you know, I think this wraps this, this, this section up nicely because uh, yep. I, think, I think it's fair to say with this Europa Conference League, the general feeling here is that European football has gone to the dogs. Thank you very much. Uh, we'll be back after this. So, welcome back to the Football Social Daily. Uh, Ian Brennan, Joel Tudor and Ant McGinley with you today. And uh, we have to talk about uh, COVID, unfortunately, uh, because one of the teams we should have been talking about playing last night today uh, was Spurs. But their Europa Conference League game was postponed. Um, and uh, with other results now, it's emerged that Tottenham will have to win that game when and if it gets played to make it through. Uh, the problem that they're facing now is a bit of a fixture congestion problem uh, because I think the backup date for uh, any any problems with those games is the same date as their quarterfinal Carabao Cup match um, against West Ham and also their game on Sunday has been called off. They're supposed to be travelling to Brighton so the Premier League have given them special dispensation um, to, to miss that game. But they've already missed a game um, a couple of weeks ago when the Burnley game was called off no fault of their own uh, due to snow um, so we're just starting to hit this wall potentially where we're going to have uh, lots of teams looking at the table a bit like we, we did uh, a while back where lots of teams playing on lots of different games and amounts of fixtures rather than that nice neat game week 16 that we like to see where everyone's on the same amount of games and the same amount of points Um the the problem with this uh, Ian is they're looking at um, they've got to have played this game by the end of the year, and there just doesn't seem to be any time for it to happen unless they're going to move and start to play um, two you know games within two or three days. But then the problem is is because the reason why they've been given to not play this is is COVID. We've seen 
uh, other players, when they've been out due to COVID, missing three, missing four games uh, because they're out for 10 days to two weeks. So um, this could actually move on and even affect their next game against Leicester as well. Yeah, it's going to mount up. I mean, they are going to have to have some sort of uh, dispensation, I think, for, for COVID because it's there's nothing you can do. You know, the the rules are not set by the club. The rules are set by the laws of the land, you know. It's it's completely out. It's unreasonable to, to sanction a club if, if they have an outbreak of COVID. It's very hard to control it, especially the new variant we know is, is much more transmissible. Um, that said, clubs have been given dispensation to relax some of their rules because of the you know the, the clubs with high vaccination rates now the premier league haven't actually said which clubs have got high vaccination rates and which haven't um so some clubs are working on different covid rules behind the scenes than others um but it is as you say it's going to make for a a very busy um a busy time for spurs particularly but for other clubs because uh, of course for every team that that spurs uh, are due to play and gets cancelled. It's not just Spurs that's affected, is it? The, obviously, the opposition team then has another fixture to get in at some point, and that'll be easier for some clubs than others. Um, Spurs have got a, a very busy Christmas period, as have all Premier League clubs, so it's going to affect the entire league, really, um, because it just it's a knock-on effect. And yeah, Spurs have got more fixtures. They've got European fixtures and stuff, but that doesn't mean other clubs haven't got other plans and other things to fit in as well, because we're heading into that period now, January, FA Cup, matches are obviously going to start coming into it for Premier League clubs uh, many are still involved in, in you know there's the Carabao Cup still ticking over various European competitions um, so yeah it, uh, the only saving grace in a, in a respect is that the obviously the World Cup is not impending in the middle of the summer as it normally would so maybe there's a bit of overspill at the, the back end of the season but just gonna have to be flexible with it though because there's nothing you can do if it's covid it's not like they've opted not to play or they've opted to play in an international tournament and, and opt out of the league or something it's just one of those things and it's just getting through the winter um but still that said there's a, there's a lot of premier league clubs a lot of premier league players who are not vaccinated um so it's going to rip through these clubs and i know ranieri's uh you know, had a pop at the Watford um, players telling them to, to get a grip and, and get vaccinated because apparently there's quite a few there that are not. Um, so if you're not vaccinated and you get an outbreak, it's it's going to obviously affect you a lot quicker than, than yeah. if you were. So Although there is some evidence to show that even with the vaccine, people are still catching this variant, so it complicates it even further. Yeah. Um, l- looking at it from, from the other side, Joel, um, so l- technically when, when you look at the rules... Um, that the, you have to have, I think it's less than 14 players available for the game, um, uh, f- for the, the game to be automatically um, postponed or suspended. Um, so this is why the Premier League have been given these special uh, dispensations. But even before we got to this, uh, we've seen several teams uh, fielding, I think Burnley did it, I think Man City did it, where uh, they, they, they said they couldn't field enough players because they had injury problems and other issues going on as well. And so they were they were either not fielding their full amount of substitutes or fielding two, two or three goalkeepers. Um, but on, on the plus side, um, the last time I remember this happening in the Premier League was around about this time last year when Man City, I think, had managed to get their game postponed against Everton because of COVID again and they came back from that game and then went on an amazing run 
you've got an exclusive from Ant that Tottenham are about to go on an, an amazing run when they come back. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. No. Um, I, I mean, they were, they were doing all right before, three games in a row. So they've, they've definitely got the momentum in terms of wins. Yeah, well, I mean, having a break during December, I think it can only benefit any team, really. I think, obviously, Conte would want to play these games rather than having you know that huge congestion that they, every team ends up having when they have to play those uh, postponed fixtures in March in April where they have two days break and have to get all, all them all of them fitted in um but maybe it will be a good thing for them because this fixture period can really burn teams out quite a lot when you have you know a game every 3 days and then you got a cup competition starting early January um but it's clear that, you know, obviously, as you said, I think it's what 13 players need to be out. And apparently, according to Di Marzio, the Italian uh, outlet, apparently their cases are around 20, according to him. Um, so it just shows that, I mean, if, if you're not capable of fielding a proper side, then the Premier League can't really do anything else other than postpone it. But like you say, it affects not only the other team, but I think a big thing is the kind of psychological side to the Premier League table because Tottenham are going to be two to three games behind everyone now um, and that may see them fall behind quite a lot depending on how their results go um, and sometimes that can bring in like unnecessary pressure a little bit especially for a manager you know if, if Tottenham come back and start losing two or three games on the bounce which I'm not saying will happen but it could happen um, you know they're going to see themselves finding around like 12th, 13th when you know it shouldn't be the case but with this whole COVID thing, I mean, there was a case in um, in Germany where Joshua Kimmich had just had a, a, a kind of lung issue just purely due to the fact that he's not been vaccinated. And it's, it's, it's a pretty sad case just because a lot of players are quite adamant to take it. And I can understand in a way just because their career is their bodies. And I'm sure they are very, very vigilant to put in vaccinations and these kind of things, which... Um, you know, could potentially have adverse effects on them, but I think having a, an issue with your lungs is even worse of a an effect to have as a professional footballer. And who knows if this could have long term damage on it, damage on him or not. And he's he's an amazing player, um. So it is a bit of it is a big issue at the moment in football, and obviously you can't pressure them to have it, but yeah, considering how busy the fixture list is, fixture lists are at the moment, and all of the managers are really kind of putting the foot down and making sure that the players at least attempt to have it it's it can't be a good thing for the teams at the moment especially when the fixtures are just piling up con consistently um and it's not really known when Tottenham are going to be able to play again which could end up having you know two three four fixtures postponed which come March April May time is not going to be a good case if they're still in any cup competitions as well do you think Ian we could find ourselves going back to something that's some people listening to this may not even be aware of. If you're a fairly recent convert to football, um, you may not know that going back to the 60s and the 70s, it was quite common for games, especially cup ties, uh, to be decided on the toss of a coin, which I, I can't imagine, because it predates even me, I, I can't imagine how that would feel to get that far and to go out on such a such a stroke of luck. I mean, it's... You know, it makes penalties feel like amazing by comparison. <laughs> I don't. I I think it will be a very extreme situation that that probably led to that. Um, in this modern era, I think when there's so much riding on it, there's so much money riding on it. And if you think back to 2020, when um, you know we we got to um, Leeds United's case, for example, um, you know they were at the top 
of the championship for for months because there was no there was no football played and there was talk there of it just you know being awarded or working it out on um, goals per game average or points per game and and all these different formulas about how you would resolve these fixtures that were that were not um, you know they couldn't fit in because running out of time how do you deal with the end of the season and so ultimately they 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 played on and and carried on and because the, there was a lot of arguments there was a threat of legal challenges i think from clubs which is you, you're going to open up a whole can of worms on that because one club will say well we if we'd played that match we would have won it you can't decide on toss the coin i think they'll just have to extend the season somehow if if you know in in some way um like you say maybe play twice a week on in the premier league or something and have you know um wednesday and saturday fixtures or or what have you they'll they'll find a way i think the games will be played i don't think they'll they'll just kind of award them because there'd just be a massive kickoff. Can you imagine having like a, a match that was deciding, you know, who was going to get to the FA Cup semi-final or was going to win the FA Cup on the toss of a coin? And it fans wouldn't tolerate it. Clubs wouldn't tolerate it. I think, I think back in the day is different because they were like, you know, men who had other things to do during the summer months is get it over with, toss the coin, award me the trophy. Uh, but these days, so much cash riding on it. It's an absolute nightmare. To be honest, nothing surprises me anymore. And uh, I won't be, uh, you know, I, I could see some kind of celebrity X Factor version with Ant and Deck up there tossing the coin, a giant <laughs> coin. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine the whole Premier League comes down to a toss of a coin with Ant and Deck on the centre circle at Newcastle to keep Newcastle up? Just just to give you some perspective, this really did happen. And if you go back to 1965, Bill Shankly's Liverpool uh, were playing the German champions Cologne in a quarter final. Uh, they had two nil-nil games, one game postponed, and then had a playoff in a neutral stadium, which ended in 2-2. So they kind of given them every opportunity on the pitch. This was before they'd introduced <laughs> penalties. So then let's just settle a coin. The best thing about this, though, <laughs> is... The referee uh, uh, tossed the coin, and it stuck in a divot on the pitch, so they had to toss it again. Oh. <laughs> I think at that point, I think you just have to. Yeah, you just got share yeah. it, lads. Share it. <laughs> I, I think the the way of solving it is just ultimate football to the death, and just keep playing until like no players can physically you know no breaks. Just just keep playing until none of them can physically stand up, and there's there's it's last man standing. And you just you know keep even if, even if the match lasts twenty four hours, imagine that spectacle all night football until somebody wins. Yeah, well, maybe we can arrange a game like that to raise money for charity next year or something. We can do that. But maybe just <laughs> you know, uh, we'll we'll start training for that. Uh, right. Uh, I just noticed as well. You mentioned can of worms. We've also had dogs mentioned and Christmas jumpers. It's been a very mixed show. But thank you very much, Joel Tudor. <laughs> thank you guys. And Ian Brannan. Thank you. Uh, my name's Ant McGinley. Uh, there is another show on the way. Uh, remember, this, this is your place to come for daily Premier League news. The next show on this feed will be an episode of The Dugout. And I'll be joined by former footballing legends uh, Paul Dickoff, who, of course, is very warm in the hearts of all Man City fans, and uh, Trevor Stephen, ex of Marseille Rangers and Everton, will be joining me as we look ahead to every single game that is taking place this weekend. Thanks very much for joining us. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode.
Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.